Okay, we're on. Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome back to the Asia InsureTech podcast. This one uh, is going to be a little bit different, I think. This is the only podcast in Asia focused on insurance that gives entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and investors a platform to discuss how technology is reshaping the insurance industry in Asia and, frankly, all over the world. Today, I'm joined by Chris Bailey, a co-founder and the chief innovation officer at Cover Genius. Chris, it's great to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastically. Thanks, Michael, for having me on the show. It is my complete pleasure. Look, let's just jump right in. What do you think is the biggest trend in insure tech in Asia? And I'll actually let you expand that because you operate outside of Asia as well and globally too, if you can even make a distinction. Yeah, no problem. So um, look, we're, uh, we're, we're uniquely positioned as, as probably the only global um, insure tech um, that is a B2B2C to C. Uh, provider of full insurance capability for um, online digital companies. So um, the viewpoint on Asia, there's probably a couple of kind of key things to get across. Um, one, 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 big, uh, one big fundamental shift that's being enabled by technology is the ability for new distributors to pop up, um, predominantly technology companies, software companies, online, e-commerce, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and they're popping up and they're being able to leverage their, uh, their their customer journey, so to speak, so their customer acquisition and the, and, the, and the pathways that they've built online and use those pathways to distribute insurance. Whereas, you know, in the past, in the past it's existed for um, travel insurance in, in a relatively kind of unoptimized way for, <laughs> for, for quite a while. Um, and, um, and that capability has is, is, is also opened up for all sorts of insurance and all sorts of um, what we call kind of neo distributors, um, and they're you know, they're, they're online companies, and 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 we see that shift of them capturing value and creating value that used to be um, kind of done re- relatively poorly by traditional insurers. These guys are picking up the value, and uh, and you know in that way, it's a um, confirmation of the thesis of software eating the world. And so we're uh, we're we're kind of at, at Taking a bit of a window seat in uh, in terms of that um, migration, probably the, probably another kind of key. So 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 you know related to that insurance distribution, a point of sale or point of sign up. You're seeing all sorts of products being built that are customised for the uh, for the for the audience. Things that wouldn't have previously been able to be done at scale. So. Like in in Asia, I'd say credit insurance is a, is a really uh, kind of interesting innovation there, um, and you know things like PA for ride hailing, and that's actually a global opportunity. I want to get back to ride hailing in a second, actually, because I think that yeah, that's super cool. interesting too. Can I just I want to get a little bit of your background for me and for the listeners, so we can understand where you're coming from. And I want to I don't want to go yeah. back to 2014 yet, but after, when you're done with your background, I want to find out like what made you think about this back then because nobody else was doing it yeah no worries so um so i mean maybe we, we go back to kind of 2004 and i started um as, as one of the first few employees of google in australia so kind of being in that kind of foundational team there taught me a lot about um you know the kind of the mechanics of uh of, of digital marketing I, i'd pre- previously worked in digital and also as a political reporter but you know my real interest was in uh in the digital space so obviously working for google you know 
at the at the start of the reemergence of uh, the technology industry, you know, a lot of it powered by Google. Let's face it, it was a really exciting time, and I stayed there till end of 2008. And um, you know, amongst my many roles, um, I ran the insurance sales team there. Okay. So I got a bit of bit of insight into how insurance works. Um, but really, my interest to to get out, and uh, you know, I'd seen a couple of things. Um, in the insurance space and other areas and 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 I knew that there was a opportunity on insurance having sat on that side of the table um look at it, it took us a quite a while to um get around to it our, our way to get into insurance was actually to set up an online travel agency and look to do the insurance really well um, and we uh, we chose initially what you would call mobility sector now but back then it was it was pretty straightforward um, car rental motorhome rental sort of space we built a pretty successful aggregator that was had customers coming from all over the world it was all translated all that sort of stuff you know the the problem was that with the insurance sector to try and get um, uh, get paper written by the traditional global insurers um, and um, and we were told, like, you know, there's no platform. No, you've got to build your own platform for the distribution. Oh, you know, like you've got to, you want to sell to your French customers. Well, you need to speak to Pierre in Paris and you've got to speak to Henry in London and you've got to speak to, um, you know, Jake in America and you've got to do all these kind of heaps of different deals around the world to be able to source global supply. So we pivoted from the OTA and, and uh, our team had actually, you know, had a lot of experience in building kind of global globally scalable businesses so we we pivoted at that time and that was uh 2014 focused on basically solving those two problems that we'd seen firsthand one was the lack of a platform for for distributing insurance and then secondly was the ability to coordinate global supply and have a single agreement with with a with a global insurer and uh, and and be able to kind of orchestrate the whole thing from a single API call. So when you were doing this back in 2014, I mean, it it doesn't feel in some ways it doesn't feel like that long ago, but in other ways it just feels like centuries ago in the context of fintech and insuretech for sure. When you and Angus is your co-founder or one of the co-founders, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, Angus McDonald. So he, he was he was previously at uh, Yahoo and strategic partnerships there. So I bet we know some other people in common, by the way, which we can talk about offline. Because yeah, um, no because yeah. if both of you are at Yahoo and Google, I'm pretty familiar with the teams that were there actually back in the early 2000s. But anyway, when you started doing this, like one, did people think you were insane? And two, did you feel like you were operating completely alone? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, both. Um, <laughs> so people from the <laughs> People from the insurance sector continually told us that we couldn't do it. So um, that's usually a good sign. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we'd kind of chuckle. We'd chuckle. Like, I don't know, you know, like everyone, everyone there had their own their own reasoning as to why it couldn't be done. Yeah. And, you know, we'd kind of continue to execute it, you know. And then concept of InsureTech didn't exist either. Mm-hmm. That was a word that came in about 2016, 17, I want to say, when, yeah. when a couple of conferences popped up. Um, and, uh, you know, it was definitely hard to kind of fund, uh, you know, what you'd call an insure tech now. There wasn't kind of the, the, the level of knowledge in VC industry was pretty low. So, and we, you know, we encountered that ourselves. So we, we're effectively bootstrapped. Um, we, we had two really small raises um, up until uh, the, back, the back end of last year. It was only like a couple of million in total. 
and um, and that was raised from London insurer, uh, sorry, London-based insurance execs. Um, you know, reason reason was because they understood the problem that we were taking on, right? And uh, and 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 the kind of scale of it, and the and you know the deep nature of it. Um, whereas we, when when we were door knocked to the VC industry, they wouldn't know anything about insurance. You know, we were definitely kind of helping them. In terms of them acquire the knowledge that that uh, you know they kind of built and uh, developed the kind of VC insurtech landscape, um, but we weren't in that until uh, the back end of last year. So um, yeah, that was kind of the scene, and uh, you know we we were we were fairly early on, but I think also because we weren't because we were bootstrapped, we were, we were very very focused for a long time just on executing what was in front of us. Yeah, um, and um, and. You know that we, we we got confirmation of product market fit really quickly um, with a with a partnership in in uh, 2015. It went live with Booking.com, um, and you know that was a cornerstone partnership. And you know it's a it remains a really big part of um, of what we what we do now um, to this day. They you know they've been a really strong partner for us, um, and uh, you know for the biggest travel company globally to to um, kind of put the faith in 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 a, in a relatively small team, yeah. um, but that you know in 2015, based in uh, Sydney and London, where we could actually execute their global their, their global insurance needs and and platform needs, then uh, you know that, that that was a really interesting journey. That was um, you know it continues to this day, but uh, for the first kind of two to three years, it was uh, it was it was obviously a really big big um, part of what we did. So you said when you went to insurance companies at the beginning, right, when you got them, when you asked them to start writing paper for you or probably underwriting stuff for you, they thought you guys were insane. And they said, oh, you, this is definitely not going to work. Can you just dig a little bit deeper and tell me why? Like, I can think I can guess, but I'm curious from your perspective, like when they said, oh, it's not going to work because A, B, and C. Remember, you were trying to do this global thing, have one deal. You don't have to deal with like six people in six different countries. What were the reasons why they thought this wasn't going to work, even in 2014? Where, uh... yeah, yeah. I mean, we look. We, the people still probably tell us that behind our back now. <laughs> they're so to our face. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think the going the going number is about 32 different deals that you that you would need to do with right. a traditional global insurer at the moment. So, yeah, look, um, the, it's probably kind of worthwhile making the distinction between. You know, us taking a, a book for a, for a distribution partnership like the likes of what I talked about, yep. and us going and sourcing underwriters for that. In, in which case, you know, we had plenty of support. Whereas, you know, generally in the insurance industry, and particularly from from companies that we'd end up competing with, that was a different kind of um, kettle of fish, and they're, and they're the ones who would say, you know, you you can't do it. I think that every incumbent player always underestimates what technology can do so you know i think that they would be amazed that you know we can for instance pay an instant payment of of a a bank transferred claim into 90 languages instantly right because you know like their their processes involve finance getting in getting into it you know checks getting lost in the mail currency conversions being kind of inaccurate um, some miscalculations along the way and you know it being addressed to the wrong person so um, and and bank account be, details being wrong and the person getting in the wrong currency or you know there's all sorts of things that actually go wrong 
So, you know, technology resolves, resolves a lot of that. I mean, similarly, if, if, if we have half of our business focused on getting licensed in lots of countries and, you know, getting licensed is, is really hard, but it helps if you've got some big chickens, you know, to solve the chicken and egg problem because a regulator, you know, you, it's hard to get an underwriter to support you if, if it's, unless you've got a big chicken, right? Right. And similarly, it's hard to get the regulator to support you if your underwriter doesn't support you. So we, we were able to get licensed in lots of countries really, really efficiently and also helped that that's what we did, you know. It wasn't like we started in Germany and then kind of, tried to, you know, um, expand to Germanic-speaking area of the EU or, you know, start in UK and only doing UK or, you know, UK expats or, you know. So so obviously aided by the MGA structure that, that, that exists in outside of Asia particularly. Um, but because we had a lot of, you know, it also helped to have, you know, London insurance execs on our board, um, sort of people that have run... Um, as CEO and chairman of some of the biggest insurers globally. So that definitely kind of helped as well. And that helped us get some of our licensing and, uh, and underwriter support throughout Asia as well. Right. So one of the things I wanted to say, like how much I agree with you about how people don't understand what technology can facilitate if you apply it in the right way. I mean, I did a trade once at, at Goldman, <laughs> which had settlement in 56 different countries and you know, the FX and all this other stuff, like you said, if it's off even by like a penny anywhere, it's just wrong. Yeah. And getting that yeah. right is really non-trivial. And if you can do that in multiple countries at the same time, globally, from an insurance carrier's perspective, it must look like magic or voodoo. So I completely understand. Yeah, exactly. And But giving the customer the choice is the critical thing. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you're not giving the customer a choice if you're sending off a check. <laughs> In in, uh, in in US dollars because the because the program was written in 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 USD. Yeah, right? ex- exactly. You know, it, putting the customer first means giving it giving them giving the opportunity to switch it from the from the currency of loss. You know, they, they, there's just so much detailed work that has to be done to to enable technology to do its best work. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's, there's part part of it is vision and part of it is understanding the, the role of the customer. And I, I don't think traditional insurers do that all that well. Part of the point that you're making, unless I misunderstand, is that they created these sort of country-style fiefdoms, right? So, you know, if an insurance company X operated in the United States or if it operated in Israel or if it operated in Japan, they operated differently and they probably didn't talk to each other too much, which meant their systems probably weren't connected, which meant that if somebody was in the U.S., and had to claim their insurance, but they were Japanese, it must have created a cluster mess for the customer, yeah? Yeah, 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 exactly. This, this stuff we come across all the time. You know, it's easiest for for, for, for an insurer to send off a check, right? yeah. But you know, it's actually not because once you factor in all the bounce, all the, all the bounces, and all the difficulties, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But anyway, I mean, that's just a kind of small. Small piece of the puzzle, but uh, yeah, there's it's um, having to kind of do everything uh, that, that's involved in the insurance stack from you know from go to woe is uh, is obviously the kind of important thing. I want to talk a little bit about the distribution because this is something that is really close to me. I love talking about this. What was the sort of epiphany for you guys as a team? Obviously, travel was part of it. 
But where did the idea come from that said you can talk to e-commerce companies or talk to, you know, Gojek and Grab or Tokopedia or, you know, Lazada or any of these companies and have their CAC turn into your CAC or an insurance company's CAC, right? The customer acquisition process. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting way to look at it. You know, I'd, I'd worked at Google, so I knew, I knew a lot about, you know, the unit economics of, of, of a customer acquisition. Right. right? So ultimately, you know, Google's inflation rate on the on on CBC is probably about thirty percent a year. In 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 Asia, it's higher. Okay. You know, I'd come from Australia, which is this, which is Google's most profitable team globally, on the back of really high PBC prices. Really. In insurance. In insurance. Oh wow! So, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. Um, and you know, I'd kind of seen that. So. You know, I, I knew how to build consumer businesses, but right. I figured that the insurers probably wouldn't be that good at enabling consumer-oriented tech businesses. Um, so, yeah, so so Angus and I set out to kind of um, bring a, a user-centred proposition, and obviously we had to kind of hire people and teach ourselves a lot about, you know, insurance and licensing and, and capability, but sure. we had the technology confidence and uh, we were able to kind of hire a really good team around that as well it's, it's just so interesting to me like how these ideas get generated and i guess if you hadn't been at google you may not have noticed that but i i guess the other question i want to ask is how do you look today we talked about back in 2014 we joked a little bit about this offline you know i was doing fintech forever but we didn't consider it fintech we just considered it like my job right and <laughs> no that was good you tried to laugh but it didn't really <laughs> Now we can laugh together. But I, I really mean that though, right? But the thing is, now that you watch the fintech and the insurtech space more specifically develop and you watch all this sort of hype around investing in insurtech and, you know, Zhongan and Pingan and all these big companies getting into it, like you've been out there executing this for six years, yeah? What do you think yeah, about when you look yeah. at the other insurtech providers coming in and trying to say like this is an innovative thing when you guys have kind of been, I wouldn't even say quietly, but just like methodically out there executing on this? Yeah, look, you know, we obviously think that, you know, the, the the future of distribution is the big, some of the big companies that you mentioned earlier, right? Or it's, you know, Google or Amazon, whatever it is, right? So yeah. we've seen, even, even even if you look at some of the kind of like, um, you know, the, the unicorns out of Silicon Valley, like... That you know the 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 premiums are pretty uh, pretty small. So you know that we, we we don't doubt that they've done what they do well, but you know the premiums are reasonably small. Right. What we've kind of done is a little bit the opposite, and it helped that we we're bootstrapped because when you're bootstrapped, you're utterly focused on efficiency and yeah. execution. Yeah. You know, yes, we could have, we could have raised money multiple times along that journey. But you know, the best thing about being bootstrapped, and I, and I knew this because you know, I'm close close to a lot of successful tech entrepreneurs in Asia, and the best the best outcomes that I've seen. You know, it's it's hard to be bootstrapped these days, but it was okay in 2014. Similarly, yeah. the mentors I had from my Google days, you know, 2005 to 2010. Most of them were bootstrapped, and when I, whenever I asked them what was the key to their success, they said it was that, that they were bootstrapped, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because what it allowed them to do was focus on their business, and they ran the business. Whereas if you're out shaking the can all the time, who's yeah, running the business? Exactly. 
you know, and so, you know, like you look at, you know, difficult times like coronavirus coming along, we're running the business, you know, we know exactly what has to get done and we're able to turn around really quickly. All sorts of kind of programs of work spin off from that event that are difficult if you don't have really, really heavily invested founders driving the outcomes. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we've been we've been in a, in a really good position. You know, the strategy for us has always been to focus, you know, using that, that big chicken metaphor, you know, focusing on the big chickens because otherwise you've got chicken and egg problem, right? So, uh, you know, we, we sell our technology into, into the biggest online company um, and that means that, you know, we're not doing hundreds of integrations a year. We're really focusing on the biggest opportunities right. because they're the ones that that are able to leverage and drive the value out of that global solution. And so, if you if you're really kind of focusing on building a tailored solution for those for those guys, then uh, then then you know, then uh, you you're able to kind of deliver on a promise. What do you, what do you think the corona's impact is going to be on the insurance industry? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's really interesting. Obviously, as I said, you know, we our early days was all travel. Right, um, right, right. The yeah, the um, so obviously, you know, that's pretty challenging if for, for any kind of um, travel insurer techs out there. I'm kind of feeling for you. The, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's brutal. Like when 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 airlines are being bailed out, I'm pretty sure the travel insurers aren't going to be bailed exactly. out. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, you know. If if you're in travel insurance, then you then you then you have exposure to black swan events, and it's, you know it's not the first one, but it's probably the worst one by a long way. Um, look, you know our kind of key part of our strategy has always been to enable our partners to distribute any line of insurance. Right now, it just so happened that you know travel because it's mature um, that we had um, early runs on the board with Booking.com. So. Right. Um, but but what we've been working on um, over the last few years is, is our platform called X, which is um, insurance for any line of uh, any line of insurance for any kind of global um, e-commerce partner. So we've expanded, and, and thankfully that's kind of brought us some um, diverse, diversification over the last few years away from travel. Not because we were kind of uh, you know Nostradamus on this one, but we just we, you know we, we look we we just knew that. You know the 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 same kind of underlying um, capability that we built in terms of global supply with all the insurance licensing, etc. That's kind of leverageable into lots of other areas. For sure. So we've spent um, a lot of effort and uh, a lot of time building um, our sales channels into uh, into all sorts of other online um, businesses. And we're doing lots of different lines of insurance. So travel's obviously, you know, some some considerable piece of it on the back of um, the early work. But um, you know, that's we've been several years out in market selling, you know, with partners doing, um, you know, retail product insurance, you know, gadget, screen cover, that sort of stuff, um, logistics. So well, you know, cargo marine in the insurance industry, it's called. Um, yeah, lots of stuff. Bank assurance um, for uh, for neo banks and fintechs. Travel, obviously, as I said, and 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 several other types of insurance. We're even doing like, you know, it sounds pretty niche, but um, earthquake insurance in uh, in California. So, you it's know, not, working, not that working, niche, we're, we're, 
Well, yeah, exactly. Is it you know? It's obviously a big, big um, population centre, highly specialised, um, valuable workforce, and you know the business interruption costs are uh, are pretty tremendous for for when when it when a quake hits. So. Yeah. Yeah, the um, so you know programs like that are through through, through a corporate insurance um, uh, program that we've set up. So yeah, there's um, there's all sorts of lines of insurance out there that need a technology platform, um, and so we've been really assiduously working through that over two to three years. So you know I think Corona's Corona's out, you know obviously really challenging in lots of ways, um, but I guess I giving you a bit of view from our perspective. No, that's okay. That's what I wanted, right? But what, what's your view on sort of internet uptime insurance? In other words, you know, a company like Lazada or a company like Amazon or whatever, if the internet goes down, they're screwed, right? Do they buy insurance on that as well? Oh, they might. They might. Uh, I haven't come across it, across it in my role. Um, um, nice. Others in, in our business might, might know a bit about it. We, we, we have a specialist cyber out of, out of US and, uh, and UK. And, and we've built some kind of tailored products, um, either either for SMBs or uh, um, cyber products, which are being sold through hosting um, companies, etc. So, yeah, you know, there's obviously an interruption side of that as well. Um, internet going down is a pretty scary thing, anyway. Yeah, quite. <laughs> it's, it's probably the only thing that's not at the moment. But yeah, <laughs> it's the only thing that's keeping us alive right now. So, one more thing yeah. I want to ask you, right? You know this from operating in this region, right? But insurance penetration, whether it's Thailand or Indonesia or Malaysia, it's still really low. India as well, right? Two percent or three percent of GDP. It's small. Do you think these new distribution channels and even some competitors, maybe like Grab and Gojek, are going to have a material impact on the penetration of insurance in this region? And if not, what will? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Grab, Gojek, just to kind of clarify, I mean, these these guys are exactly the sort of partners that we uh, that we speak to about. I would think so. Them, yeah. Um, the the rise of the fintechs in Asia has been absolutely tremendous. Yeah. Um, the the opportunities for bank assurance around it are tremendous. Um, the you know they they need good platforms to be able to do it. They also need tailored products. Um, and the and the one thing they do have is kind of uh, great data, data sets, predict, particularly around transactions. Right. So as internet penetration rises, you know rise forth, rise forth the likes of the companies you're talking about, um, Paytm in India, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So. I think that it's a it's a tremendous movement, and uh, we're kind of excited to to be playing some role for those guys in terms of um, you know doing bank assurance in a much more exciting and innovative way, where it's not just where it's not a cost centre, where it's actually use utilising what what you've got access to to build really highly specialised, customised products that are valuable for customers. Right. Things like credit credit insurance that I mentioned earlier, or you know, all sorts of stuff. Product insurance off transactional data sets. These are these are these are really really valuable for customers. You know, I'll, I'll give you the kind of uh, the 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 alternate. Right. Mm-hmm. The alternate is is you know a traditional banking program engages with a traditional insurer. Right. Uh, for the bank assurance. Customers are underinsured by it. I guarantee you, there's not a a, a, a bank a, a, a travel insurance benefit uh, travel insurance program through bank assurance that that actually covers 
a pandemic like coronavirus, right? <laughs> right? So you've got underinsurance both in terms of, you know, the product that's that's being distributed, but also, you know, it's uninsured in terms of a lot of people don't know about the benefits that are in there. They're difficult to actually access. Um, and probably the third thing I'd say is it's not at all relevant to the individual user and what they need and what they want. Right, right. right. It's one program and it goes out to the 40 million customers or 10 million customers, whatever the number is. The other thing is, you know, just kind of structurally around how you're actually enrolled into those bank assurance programs is kind of challenging. You know, often you have to use the credit card to be able to access the benefit. Yeah. You to use the, if, if it's a travel program, you've got to use it for some part of the travel itinerary. And what that means is that that the, PDA, the, the, the the policy wording is continually updated and it's changing on you. Don't even know about it. Um, so there's all sorts of kind of um, challenges. And, and, you know, I, you know, at, C, at Cover Genius, we're just like, we're loving seeing that kind of disruptive shift that the fintechs are bringing. And it means a whole new lens on what it means to protect your customers as well. As well. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're enjoying watching that. The last thing I want to ask you, I mean, I have so many more things that I could go to, but I don't want to take up more of your time, but are you finding that it's easier today to do business development for yourself? In other words, to get more clients and to get more customers than it was five years ago, because there's just so much more talk and discussion about both FinTech and InsureTech in this space. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really good question. Um, I think, um, ultimately if you've got the 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 product and the kind of solution that the partner needs then then they're happy what we're finding you know we now have kind of offices in seven eight countries 150 to 170 or so people on the team so we're having a sparking up a lot more conversations now right. nowadays people know who we are right the insure tech industry has done a really good job of the kind of neo distributors that I mentioned earlier of, mm-hmm. of, of raising awareness that they can do things without necessarily trying to do it through a traditional insurer, that there's other alternatives out there. So I think that's been the really heartening development of, um, you know, the insure tech landscape, that there's probably someone out there that can do what you need, whether it's an earthquake program or a hail, you know, there's interesting things in the US for garage keepers liability so they can just do the hail component, you know. Right, right, right. So there's all these kind of, um, there's either niche products or there's kind of platforms that can do X and Y or, you know, there's platforms that, you can integrate for for claims fraud, or there's platforms for quote and bind. There's you know there's there's solutions out there, and with an open mindset, which which technology companies you know by default have, have yeah. then they're going to be able to kind of do the do the scan and find the right partner for them. Got it. Because the right partner for a technology company, I just having sat on having been in kind of that environment <laughs> on the other, you know, on the other side, up, kind yeah. of genius. <laughs> it's it's uh you know the the very traditional mindset is um is you know that's there's a lot of cultural kind of um uh, call it combat between between the new wave thinking and the why not you know versus versus the the other side which is why and and not really understanding how 
and you know ultimately like that's a that's just a traditional mindset versus a new mindset and you know I think the insure tech industry has done a great job of being able to in various various ways be, be able to kind of um answer the in a positive way the why not question so sorry i said that was the last question but you just brought up something else so, all right so sorry so sorry for you no it's okay well done it must be said that you didn't share the questions before <laughs> these are coming off the top of my head i didn't have a whole you know what i mean like i just have a framework but you bring up stuff and i need to ask about it but what do you what has changed it's a little bit more of a subtle question right but when you walked into an insurance company six years ago, when you walk into an insurance company today, has there been a mindset change about their, not just desire, but their ability to deal with a technology company who can maybe solve some of their problems? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, look, this this is really interesting. I'm, I'm, you know, where our insights kind of gained from having these conversations mm. in Asia, where it's where it's a little bit different. Japan's very different, sure. or you know, Korea, where it's you know things are moving to a much more SASTI model, or you know, US is completely different to Europe, right? So mm. there's it's it's what 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 I'd probably say the the one thing that is cons- that we've consistently seen is that insurers that have tried to, you know, do BD into the sorts of companies that we sell into. Right. They back away for one reason or another. Um, so, you know, it might be like the culture fit issue. It might be that, you know, they couldn't kind of run a really rigid um, approach to their risk modelling, you know. Um, and, and, you know, they couldn't understand, you know, what the nature of, you know, outside of US or tariff markets, what you know, what the how dynamic pricing can solve risk-related issues. You know, dynamic retail pricing. So these are just kind of some of the reasons. But but what we are often seeing when we're when we're speaking to insurers is that they are backing away from trying to be the pointy end of the BD funnel and instead going, okay, we. We see our strength as, as you know, running the paper, running the risk, and, and obviously, obviously the investment side of that, right, and right, underwriting. Right. That's underwriting. what we do. You know, that's that's our job. And so, working with really high high quality, triple A rated insurers in lots of different markets, whether it's Lloyd's markets or or company markets all over the world, and they're saying to us, "Okay, this is really good because." You know, we're going to make money out of this. You know, you're not you're you're not there to screw down the insurer. You know, you like we want them to make money. Yeah. Like, you know, so and 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 I'm sure this conversation's happening with lots of other insurer techs as well, where the insurer's been burnt by trying to do do the you know the enablement of uh, of of neo distributors. Um, and stepped away and gone, okay, well, you can do all of that and you can carry the license and you can carry, you know, you can run compliance. And basically what we do is the bit that we're good at, right, which yeah. is the underwriting and the risk management and the investment. So um, we're just seeing that particularly in the last kind of 18 months um, that insurers the world over, the agile ones are actually stepping back and going, okay, our role is to enable you guys to enable the, you know, the distributor, right? Um, and um, and we'll make money out of it, 
and you know we're happy for you you know you to run as much of the process which is burdensome for us we got tpas for this and tpas for that and right. ultimately you know the the leakage and difficulties around that process mean that the end distributor is not all that happy right right so i think that that's kind of the big shift that you'll see from insurers is that they go okay look the insure techs really play a role we've got to get out of the way run a run a pretty thin delivery operation and um and we want these guys to win the business because there's big books out there. Right. And that's the big operational change. And that's the big mindset change. And to me, that's actually fascinating, right? Because they're finally saying, and I think this is different. And when I hear this a lot. I think it's really different than it was six years ago or seven years ago, where an insure tech would come in and they'd just be like, just get away because we'll have to take care of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they'd be like, you know, our early early conversations were like, oh, why do you want to do claims? Claims is our core competency. Right. And it's like, really? <laughs> if it is. this is, a, They would all say that. And it's like, well, Maybe you send not. out your checks, you know, like yeah. you got your paper-based form. Like, probably not. Not we don't, we don't look at USPs the same way, you know. Like, <laughs> so... So you know, I'm not I'm not being not I'm not mean to be arrogant, but you know, there is a there is a really important role for for a seamless customer experience, and so those sorts of insurers, you know, it'd be a pretty short dating exercise with us. It was kind of like speed dating, but yeah. you know, our job was to find those insurers that understood the value prop of someone that can do all the bits of the value chain, and grow a book, and respect their need to, for instance you know, make a change to the ratings, Yeah. make a change for X and Y reason. You yeah. know, we're absolutely 100% in agreement with them that, that it's got to be a profitable book and we want we want all bits of the book to perform well right. um, because our partners are on the journey because they're, uh, you know, the distribution guys, the distribution partners, for them it's all about growth. It's not a cost out exercise. No. So if you, and technology companies are really good at growth. Yeah. And so, if your insurance, if your insurance um, program is all built around growth as well, then then that's kind of the that's where all the ducks get in a row. So you do need agile insurers that also understand the that 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 get agile by kind of a little bit of getting out of the way, but respecting you know the the all the bits of the value chain that others can do. Agreed. You know, the, and the funny thing that I was going to say say like about those early conversations where they'd go well why do you want to do claims that's our core competency and then and then you'd find out that they tpa the whole thing anyway right you know right. so it's like it's, it's not it's, you know you've got efficiency issues all over the place and so it helped that we were able to resolve those but you know we do it's it's still you know a big challenge for us out there kind of door knocking and finding the right insurance partner that wants to do things the way we like them to be done but we kind of know enough about what what that actually means from both the insurance side in terms of compliance and all that sort of stuff, but also from the from the you know the kind of scalable delivery of of customer centricity. Yeah, so. awesome. Look, I will let you go now. I said that was going to be the last question three times, but this time I really meant it. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I, I feel my answers my my answers probably answered ten questions. <laughs> no, but it's great. no, but the, the thing I was going to say was I like I want I really want to have you back, and I don't even know why, but just like the conversation for me was so enlightening. And hopefully it was enjoyable for you, but I really just want to thank you, Chris, the co-founder and chief innovation officer at Cover Genius for coming in and doing this. It was awesome for me, and hopefully you enjoyed yourself as well. 
Thanks very much, Michael. I really enjoyed the time and uh, best of luck through this difficult period for all your uh, listeners. Yeah, and to you as well.